0: Two, one. Welcome to our dog cast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Laurel. And this is What is Dog? Is it the question or the answer? Sarah, this week we're featuring Whiskey. Whiskey, huh? He's a 10 month old purebred black lab that was rescued from Wakula County Animal Services. That's in Florida. Whiskey is fully vetted, he's house and kennel trained, he's dog friendly, playful, and he absolutely loves all people and children. Oh, what a cutie. And here's his picture, Sarah. Oh, look (laughs) at that face. (laughs) He definitely looks like he can do no wrong. He's got these piercing brown eyes. (laughs) And he's got little white marks on his bottom jaw yes (laughs) (laughs) okay so if you're interested in adopting a dog we'll be posting pictures of whiskey this week and we recommend you check them out if you're interested in rescuing whiskey go ahead to barking out loud rescue they're on facebook you can google them and go adopt so laurel yes I think we can both agree that when you have a dog, other people tend to offer advice whether you like it or not. This reminds me a lot of our first episode, Your Dog vs. the World. Uh, yeah, well, it's it's a common theme for dog owners where when you're out in public, people like to come up and say things to you, um, and sometimes those things are nice, sometimes they're annoying, and sometimes they're just downright rude, or crackpot crazy advice that you don't want. <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely relate to that. When I was in um, a class called Adolescent Psychology, it was actually called Early in Childhood Adolescent Psychology. Mm. It doesn't really matter for this story. Anyway, my professor loved to talk about these crackpot psychologists. Um, that was actually what she called them. Wow. Which is people, when you have a kid, who come up and just offer you advice on parenting. Yeah, I think the same thing is true of dog owners like you have these people who take it upon themselves to come up to you and be like you should be doing it this way and and they just it's unsolicited you know completely unsolicited and everything that we've learned so far in all of these episodes is that basically every dog is unique and every situation is unique and some dogs may need some things and other dogs need other things yeah exactly and like you don't know what's going on in somebody's life or with their dog so don't offer advice unless you see them like clearly abusing the dog oh my gosh if you see them clearly abusing please step in immediately Today, we're gonna to be talking about dog myths, um, and just I wanna get into the kind of advice that we get that is not any good, and also talk about like our own personal stories of bad advice we've gotten. Over I the love years. that. I've gathered the top 10 dog training myths. Ooh! So, we're gonna go down this list, starting with number 10, and uh, talk about some bad advice I've gotten. Ooh, so number one's going to be the most juicy? Yes, it'll be so juicy. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> Scandalously juicy. Mm-hmm. No, okay. You need to establish yourself as a pack leader or the alpha of the pack is mm. number 10. So we first uncovered this to be a myth with Ida Gearing from Leader of the Pack Dog Training, and she basically, un- she was telling us about it because she named our whole um, business around being the leader of the pack, but then she was saying that she should actually change her name because it's been debunked that you should be the leader of the pack, that dogs actually don't associate us with being their pack leaders. They just associate us. It's almost like a partnership Mm -hmm. and only these packs are formed in at with other dogs the same species i mean that makes a lot of sense i mean dogs respond much differently to other dogs than they do to people just based off of my general observations of dogs it seems like they can tell the difference between a human and the dog so they don't act like a pack when they're with us definitely i mean we can even see it with charlie and duke running around and playing right now like Charlie would never, or hopefully would never, go up to a human and bite them (laughs) on the neck or something. There's just different rules that we establish for them when they're with their humans versus when they're with other dogs. Yep. Okay, let's get into number nine. I like this one because I see it on TV all the time. The myth is that dogs are like wolves. And that, therefore, they should eat, sleep, and be trained like wolves. So I see this a lot on television commercials for, like, Taste of the Wild Mm -hmm. or whatever, like, special diet it is. They're, like, your dog is a wolf at heart, and so you should be fed like a wolf. Um, That's not true. Dogs are not wolves. They've been bred for many generations to be different. It's Mm -hmm. a different animal entirely, and dogs should be treated like dogs, not like wolves. Yeah, I mean, anyone that says that, like, you know, what do dogs do back in the olden days? I mean, people even say it for other people, and like the whole vaccination story. And the truth is, is that a lot of people died back in the day, and a lot of dogs died back in the day. Yeah. And we have so much more, um, we have so much new research. Um, we have truly domesticated these animals, so mm-hmm. they just can't live the same way that wolves did back in the day. I mean, even digestive systems change over time, and we need to stay current with what's happening today. Yeah, guarantee Duke would not survive in the wild. He is a total city slicker. (laughs) (laughs) I just saw him out in the rain, so I would have to agree with that. Oh my gosh, yeah, he was out in the rain today. It's pouring rain, and he... Hates the rain so much. I have to, like, drag him out from underneath the overhang to get him to go pee. And he stands there looking like a cat in a bath. Just so upset. Miserable. <laughs> Doesn't want to put his paws in any water. <laughs> He's definitely not a wolf. I actually think that Charlie would prefer if we let him roam the streets and come by whenever he wants. <laughs> whenever he gets out in the... the. Um... Like, whenever he gets free and he's out of a leash, hes it's like he's never seen you before. He's like, see you later, I've got this. And he starts, like, combing the t- territory around him. <laughs> he's like, roam where you want to. <laughs> so true. <laughs> uh, that's been stuck in my head because that's in another TV commercial. Okay, let's get into number eight. Laurel, this one... Reminds me of you. (laughs) If you use treats, your dog won't listen when you don't have them. (laughs) This is so me. And guess what? Ida Gearing also debunked this one. Yep. She was saying that, and I've learned my lesson, I still don't say that, I still don't use treats every single time, but Ida's so right. Basically, I mean, we use incentives even for humans to Mm -hmm. do every single task. You have pay, you have, I don't know, opportunities. Dogs shouldn't just have to do something and get nothing in return. Right. I also want to point out that using treats is a way of a, of creating a positive association. Yes. So if you use treats and praise at the same time, eventually when the treats are removed, the praise will still feel good, almost like there's a treat coming. Yes. So they'll still listen when you have no treats, um, as long as you keep rewarding them with the same with praise. Wow, we've learned so much. I know, we really have. This (laughs) is great. Okay, you want to do number seven? Yeah. Dogs can only understand single words. Yeah, that's not true at all. Um, Dogs can understand, like, lots of syllables at a time. It can be combined words. But I think the most important thing here is that dogs can understand tone of voice. Mm -hmm. And that's what they really interpret. Like... I say Duke in so many different tones, and And Duke knows whether it's happy or angry or what. So this brings me back to Eddie Gehring, who spent a lot of time talking about the different tones that Mm -hmm. you should have when Mm -hmm. you're talking to your dog and how they actually pick up on tones more. So if I say, Charlie, you want to go for a walk? He's going to hear my voice going up in the same sing-song way that I constantly do. I love when you ask a dog a question like that, how they cock their head yeah. and their ears perk up. What? Yeah. It's <laughs> my and favorite thing. It's so cute. All right, number six. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Uh, this one makes me think of Peanut, of course. <laughs> the second I saw Old Dog, I was like, oh, Peanut. Laurel's about to talk about Peanut. <laughs> Oh, that's so sweet. Um, Yeah, that's not true. I don't know who came up with that, but actually, you can teach an old dog new tricks, so there. (laughs) I taught Peanut when he was seven years old um to play dead Mm -hmm. so you would say bang bang and you would pretend to shoot him just like (laughs) you would and then he would roll over and he would put his legs up in the air so it was adorable he (laughs) loved doing it don't you wonder about where that it's like an age-old trick like pretending to shoot your dog and having (laughs) (laughs) to pretend to die who thought of that and why though (laughs) it kind of makes me think that it goes back to like the movie days and like teaching your dog like playing out a scene like a cowboy western yes like something like that because if you nowadays out of context it's like oh that's horrible (laughs) when you think about it it's kind of funny like it's weird pretend to shoot my dog yeah (laughs) um not judging you for teaching you though it's cute when they roll over i'm feeling the judgment i'm just just kidding the origin (laughs) of it (laughs) go ahead and read number what are we at five Okay, go ahead. Your dog can only learn one thing at a time. Is that a myth? I feel like that's a true fact. When you think about it, when you're teaching a new pop, puppy or even Duke, like, how many tricks do you have going at the same time that he's learning different levels of those tricks? Like, oh. you have the up command, but you're also working on something else with him at the it's same time. It's true. Yep, I do. I um, like to rotate tricks in a session, so we're not not just doing the same thing over and over. So I'll do some that are reinforcements, and then I might do be working on two new tricks at once. Yeah, I actually think that it helps a lot with variety and keeping it interesting for your dog. Yep. I also like to keep him from thinking that I just want the same thing over and over. Yeah. Yep. So I want him to distinguish the different words that I'm saying. Exactly. And I just like to say really quick. So we started out having a leash on Charlie because it. Charlie and Duke would not stop playing with each other. And now they're running around the house back and forth with the leash. <laughs> is that what they oh That's God. what they're dragging around. It's no longer on Charlie's neck. It is just being dragged oh around. Oh my gosh, the chaos that goes on here when we put these two dogs together is hilarious. <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like we're in like a sitcom and there's just <laughs> funny thing going on in the background the whole time. Oh. I know. It seriously is. Number 4. Guilty-looking dogs have done something wrong. Not true. Really? This is a myth. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess. So when I think about a guilty-looking dog, I think immediately of Brody. Mm-hmm. He constantly looks. And Brody, I don't talk about him a lot, but he's my boyfriend's Jack Russell Terrier. Mm-hmm. And he constantly looks guilty. Sometimes he's done something wrong. Sometimes he hasn't. So the thing about guilty looking dogs is that if they think you might be mad, they'll have that look on their face. Yeah. So sometimes it's not that they've done something, it's that they're worried that you might be mad at them for something. Which could come from you walking in the door and just not seeming happy. Mm. And they might look guilty. Um, I would say with Duke, though, a lot of the time when he looks guilty, he actually has done something wrong. Agreed. He likes to steal my items and... Chew on them like my hat this week. <laughs> <laughs> and like I come in and he looks so guilty and he's making his guilt face, which is like this ridiculous smile. Yeah. And wagging his tail and I'm like, Duke, what? And then I look around and there's my hat all chewed up on the floor. um Yeah. So it's kind of funny that that's a myth, but I guess not all the time have they done something wrong just because they look guilty. Yeah. Number three. You shouldn't start training your dog until he is six months old. I think the important thing to remember here is that training begins even at the very earliest age. It can be more basic training, but you're still training. And especially things like potty training and just socialization happen at a much earlier age than six months. Yeah, I have never once heard that to be something that you should wait to do. But I constantly train when, I mean, I didn't have Charlie until he was... Mm, about a year and a half but with peanut i immediately started training and that's actually where i think we made the most progress yeah i think i don't know where it's going to go. number two crate training is cruel yeah this is one that's i think really widely debated mm. but the fact is i i mean i found crate training to be essential with duke mm-hmm. um We don't even own a crate anymore, but crate training was a very important part of the process of raising him, especially for um, sleep training, Um, and he does sleep through the night because we used a crate to sleep train him. Some people absolutely love their, or some dogs absolutely love their crates. I think it depends on the way that you use them, Mm -hmm. Um, but some dogs use it as like this den that they can go in and hide, and it's comfortable for them, and they go and they sleep, and some people... People actually feed their dogs in their crates, and it becomes a place where they get really happy. Exactly. A crate is a dog's personal space, and that's why it should actually never be used as punishment. Mm. A lot of people think of crates as a timeout zone, but it's actually not. It should be their safe zone. Yeah. So when we were crate training Duke, when he needed a timeout, he actually had a separate place in the house Mm -hmm. where we would put him for timeouts. And then the crate was a place where he would go to sleep and eat. Per- yeah, no, that's absolutely perfect. And the funny thing is, Charlie actually, so he still has his crate set up. He has this little mud that I gate off mm-hmm. just because he gets into things when I leave him home alone. Yep. But his new favorite thing is to get on top of the crate and he doesn't go inside. But <laughs> so he's cute. He's like he loves his crate. Yes. <laughs> An enormous cat. <laughs> All right, are you ready for number one? number one? Number one. Number one. Playing with your dog will make him. <laughs> aggressive (laughs) um oh playing or playing tug (laughs) damn it playing tug with your dog will make him aggressive I that seems kind of crazy to me um yeah I I play tug with Duke all the time and he's not aggressive (laughs) I've, as he attacks Charlie. I <laughs> think that most people play tug with their dog and I don't know why that would ever make them aggressive. It's teaching them... So I actually have done a lot of reading on this because I wasn't sure if I should play tug with him or not. Mm-hmm. And the argument against it is that teaching your dog to play tug of war is engaging in a competition with him and you don't want your dog to ever be in competition with you you Mm. always want to be on the same side Mm. however i don't really view tug as a competition this actually makes me think of the the different dog trainers that we talked to along the way ida and fran they talked a lot about just making sure that you keep ownership over certain things so like the bed for example that if you can easily move your dog from the place that you want to be lying in then you still have ownership of that bed and it's okay Mm -hmm. so it's kind of what you're saying with like the the tug of war as long as you can have them drop the toy or drop whatever they're holding and you can take ownership of that really quickly then I think you're still okay right so those are the top 10 dog training myths so of all the episodes that we've recorded so far, I am the most excited for next week's episode. Me too. Next week we're talking to Meg. She's an animal communicator. She's a modern-day Dr. Doolittle. Oh my gosh, this is going to be so interesting. Are we going to talk to our dogs? Yes, yeah. So we have set up for her to not only read Duke, which is going to be super exciting, But she's also going to read Peanut. She can actually do dogs that have passed. I'm so curious on how this works. So I can't wait to hear from her. I can't either. Apparently, she's a world-renowned animal communicator and author. Um, She's worked with animals across Canada, the USA, Europe, and Asia. Wow. She can communicate with any finned, feathered, or four-legged companion using her telepathic abilities. And Sarah and I, we're not sure, you know, we've never really done this before. I've never had any sort of communicator before. We're really interested to see, you know, how it goes, and we'll kind of go along the journey with you. Yep, yeah, this is totally brand new to me. Never done this before, and really interested in to see what happens. I know. She also, um... She also has started to incorporate Reiki, which we talked a little bit about last week. Um, And she can do readings via phone, email, and video from where she is in Toronto, Canada. Next week's episode is our last episode of the season. It's episode 15. Can you believe we've done 15 episodes? I, I really can't. I mean, it's been almost six months since we started this and the time has just flown, but I feel like we've learned so much. It's so true. We truly have learned so much. And I'm so excited to wrap this one up. And then it'll be the holidays. Yep. And And we have a special holiday special coming up for the holidays. And then we're going to take a break before season two. Email us dogcasters at whatisdog.com. Awesome. And follow us on Instagram. (laughs) At whatisdogcast. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. And make sure you leave us ratings and also tell your friends about this. And give your dog a hug from us.